the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it's my great pleasure to travel to central southeast Tuscany, to Montalcino in fact, to meet Rachele Tietzi at her family estate, Tietzi Vini. Thanks so much for being my guest today, Raquel. How are you? And is it a beautiful day in Montalcino? Thank you for having me here. And yes, it's a bit chilly today, but it's a, it's a nice, nearly winter day here in Montalcino. And you've got the wines in the cellar. I imagine the olives are all picked now too. So is it perhaps a quieter time? Or is it still very busy leading up to Christmas? Well, we have just ended our Benvenuto Brunello, so the wine presentation, the avant-premiere of the new vintages. So now we are approaching a more quiet time, as you said. And so, yes, we're slowing down during the winter season. Okay, a family time then. Yes, exactly. Good. Now, Montalcino lies about 40 kilometers south of Siena, near the Creti Senese, and sheltered by Monte Amiata to the southeast. It's a wine region I love. It's particularly beautiful, and of course, it's a source of one of Italy's most prestigious wines, Brunello di Montalcino. Raquel, to help our listeners, can you please describe the countryside so that they can get a vivid picture in the, their minds of this very beautiful and special place. Yeah, Montalcino lays in the countryside, in the beautiful hills of Valdorcia, that actually actually is a world heritage listed by UNESCO. So it's a very beautiful countryside. There are sweet hills that change colors depending on the uh, on the season. Uh, they are yellow during summer, they are green during the spring. It's a beautiful environment and each hills is always covered by cypresses that lays on the on the hills that are also pointed with different cottages and each cottage is actually belongs to different wineries or properties. It's an amazing place to see and also to live actually. Visiting Valdorcia and Montalcino area is a beautiful experience, I think, for everybody. That's a really vivid and perfect description. And it's also an area that isn't just single-minded monoculture of vines or vines and olives. There's still a lot of woodland, isn't there? Yes, actually, Montalcino area is much more woody than vines actually cultivated. And it's actually very nice to see because there is a good switch between vine plants, uh, woods, and also there is some kind of, you know, wet cultivation as well. 
So it's a beautiful and also very dynamic uh, environment to see. Okay. Now, Tietzi is a family business that was started in the 1980s. Can you tell us the story of your family business and of the various estates that you now have? Yeah. As I said, I am the third generation of my family involved in wine business because our wineries, Tietzi, has been started in the 80s, as you said, my grandfather Enzo. Uh, Enzo Tietzi, my grandpa, is a knowledgeist and an agronomist. And during his life, he had worked four different wineries in, um, in Montalcino, also in the Chianti area. And when he got retired, he decided to start making wine on his own. And step by step, we built the winery we have today that we have now in total seven hectares that are located in two different spots, actually, because we have two different areas from which we produce two different Brunellos. And at the beginning, in the 80s, we bought the first unit that is called Poggio Cerrino. And in 1999, we have both the so-called Vigna Socorso, that is just actually very close to the center uh, of Montalcino, of the village of Montalcino. And uh, there, in 1999, we also started the, to build the new cellar. And uh, nowadays, in the Pina Socorso, we have the cellars, two different houses that we rent for tourists, and uh, also the offices. Okay. Raquel, I think what's really interesting is that your family came in the early 1980s. And of course, Brunello di Montalcino is now one of the most prestigious and famous wines in the world. But in the early 80s, that story had not yet really fully developed. So your family were actually early pioneers in helping to put the wines of Montalcino on the world wine map. Yeah, uh, my grandpa has been the president of Consortium of Brunello of Montalcino for five years. And uh, during uh, his um, time as a president, he had worked a lot in order to develop uh, the production and also the name of Brunello of Montalcino. Uh, I like to remember that Brunello is uh, a history made by a community of people that uh, had the, the strength to believe in Brunello and in winemaking, coming from a small village in the countryside of Tuscany. Uh, my grandpa has been working, as you said, Mark, as a, um, as a president and also in many different wineries. So uh, during his time, he tried to develop as much as possible the Brunello wine. Actually, uh, he managed, uh, thanks to all the people that worked with him, to uh, create the DOCG uh, and the DOC for Brunello and for Rosso of Montalcino that, uh, as you know, is a guarantee for the people who actually want to enjoy uh, these wines. Okay, okay. And that's a very important for our listeners to understand that this famous great wine is the result, as you say, of the efforts of a community that believed in the wine. Now, today Podereso Corso is the center of the THC operations, but it's an historic Podere that goes back to the origins of modern Brunello di Montalcino, and I'm talking about going back to the 1800s. Is that correct? And can you tell us about this? Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. As I said to you before, we both Podere Socorso Justin 1999, but the history of this historical place, as you said, belongs to the uh, 19th century, actually, because here, and it is also recognized by the consortium itself, uh, was first produced the first label ever with the name Brunello on it. The previous owner of this Podere Socorso was Professor Riccardo Paccagnini, that was a professor of agronomy and enology at the University of Bari in, in southern Italy, and together also with other people developed the idea of making Brunello. But as I said, he was a professor and he had the chance to travel a lot, and he presented to the world a name called Brunello, that came from a small village in the Tuscany countryside. And so uh, now we have the label, the first label produced here is the label of our Vigna Socorso. And also all the awards he received were actually donated to the Consortium of Brunello. And everybody that come to Montalcino can see uh, this award that Mr. Paccagnini received during the presentation of his wine. That's a fascinating story uh, going back uh, to the 1800s. Raquel, can you tell us your own story? When did you become involved in the world of wine? Did you always know you wanted to join your family wine estate? Uh, well, yes. Yeah, somehow my uh, my history in the wine business is, as you said, we are a family business. So somehow we are always involved in winemaking. I cannot uh, remember any you know, meal of my life without wine <laughs> and uh, uh, everything in my family is linked to winemaking. Uh, nowadays in the family we and we are me my grand my grandpa and my mother monica who we work together i always know that somehow i will be involved in the winery i mainly work uh, as you know connecting people with foreign exporter or maybe meeting foreign people at the winery uh, that is my main focus but the very big strengths of the wineries are my grandpa and my mom monica who are actually the most important people for the wine. Now tell us a little bit about the philosophy at Tietzi and how this is reflected in the wines that you produce. Well, generally speaking, we are described as a, as a very traditional winery. And it's true, uh, we are very linked to tradition and to the idea that we want to express as much as possible the importance and the characteristic of our terroir and our territories. That's because we produce two different Brunellos coming from two different areas. About tradition, uh, we don't think that tradition means to be close-minded people, but tradition means to be true who we are and we don't want to change our ideas in winemaking uh, we want to be you know as i said to you before sincere to the characteristic of the territory and we want to enhance the characteristic of brunello in the most classical ways possible we age these wines for long times in big wood barrels from slavonian oak and we do very long fermentation and we are also an organic winery because we want to affect as less as possible the vines and the plants. Okay, that's a very good description. Now, Brunello di Montalcino is the name of the wine, but it's also a variety of Sangiovese, the Sangiovese Grosso. Is this still the preferred clone in, for you? And what makes Brunello the grape special and different from Sangiovese 
cultivated elsewhere in Tuscany? Well, my grandpa says that we have four or five different clones of uh, Sangiovese in our vines. And actually, it depends. Uh, in the Poggio Cirrino, we have vines that are 48 years old, okay, very old. They were actually hand-planted. So we try to preserve these kind of clones in order to replant the, the very same kind. And uh, what we do, and I think that what makes Sangiovese in Montalcino different from any kind uh, of other Sangiovese is the terroir and the microclimate that is in Montalcino. Because even though it may appear uh, as a small area, the difference of zonation and the difference of microclimate in Montalcino are very important for uh, growing a good Sangiovese. Well, let's talk about your range of wines, starting with Rosso di Montalcino. Now, would you say this is a baby Brunello or is it an important wine in its own right? Well, I think that both you said is true. Uh, Rosso is a baby Brunello. I would say is Brunello younger brother <laughs> because okay. actually we produce Rosso of Montalcino from Brunello. That means that we have just one barrel and after one year of agement, we remove some wines and it is Rosso of Montalcino. The wine that uh, remains inside that barrel will become Brunello four years later. So for us, it's both true because it's a sort of Brunello younger brother, as I said, but also as a development on its own. Nowadays, we will see that a lot of wine journalists or wine passionates are growing their attention on, on Rosso of Montalcino on its own, not just because it's, you know, similar to Brunello. And uh, as I said before, my grandpa uh, wrote the regulation for making Rosso of Montalcino. So we want to enhance and to express the best also of Rosso on itself without, you know, the idea of depending too much from Brunello. Okay, well, let's now turn to your two crew, Brunello di Montalcino, the Vigno Soccorso and Poggio Cerino. And how maybe terroir is reflected in different styles and how the wines taste. Well, the terroir is crucial because when it's harvest time, in one week we harvest both the sides and the wines and grapes actually do the very same path, the very same process inside the cellar. We handpick the grapes, we do a very long fermentation of 20-25 days and a very long agement in big food barrels. That's is the very same for both the wines. But once you have it in the glasses, they are completely different. Poggio Cerino belongs from an area that is located 300 meters above sea level. It's northeast oriented. The terroir is very rich. It's very sandy, very rich in fossils. We found a lot of shells fossils while having just a stroll in the vineyard. And uh, the plants are 48 years old. It's the most traditional of our Brunellos, actually. While the Brunello coming from Podere Soccorso is different because Podere Soccorso is located 500 meters above sea level, southwest oriented. The plants are 24 years old. And most of all, it's a bush-strained vineyard. So the plants are smaller than uh, normal and they are much closer to the soil. That's actually very important because even though the vineyard is uh, southwest oriented, it's also refreshed by the wind. And the Brunello Vigna Soccorso is a Brunello that you won't expect, actually, because there's a touch of balsamic, a touch of spiciness that is quite uncommon and make it uh, quite uh, recognizable. 
Okay, so is that a, a riper style than the Poggio Cerino? Yeah, it's different. It's more, uh, the style in winemaking is the same, but at the end you have two different wines. And it's very, you know, nice because to every year it's different and uh, every year it's nice to see how different they are, even though actually, as I said, they do the very same path. Well, that's really interesting. And I think that's really interesting for our listeners to be able to taste um, terroir from wines made exactly the same way in the same cellar, but from different crew vineyards to have that reflected in the wine before them. You also make a grappa di Montalcino. Is there a distillery near Montalcino that you send your vinace? Yes, that's true. Uh, because in Italy, you cannot produce uh, grappa on your own. So we send it to a distillery. It's a way in order to not to waste, obviously, the vinace. And also because we have also some people that uh, likes uh, grappa very much. So it's a grappa from Sangiovese, a grappa of Brunello. And uh, yes, it's in order also to recycle, actually, to use every, uh, you know, products of the vines. Well, that's important. That's important. And also for our listeners to understand grappa made from the grape pomace, the leftover grape skins after the winemaking process is finished. Is that a grappa gialla? Is that in wood or is it a, a bianca? No, it's bianca. It's just bianca. We used to do also it gialla, also aged in barriques, but now we prefer to do the bianca. Now, final product I want to discuss is your extra virgin olive oil. I'm imagining that your olives are harvested now and you have the luxury to enjoy the exquisite first new olive oil of the season. Is that right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we just ended uh, to take the olive from the olive mill, so we are now enjoying some, uh, some of it. <laughs> oh, good. That's a special moment as well, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, because actually when you do, uh, well, at least for us, when you take the olives to the olive mill, it means that also it's time to rest, no? Because it's time to stop. <laughs> and uh, yes, the season is over. Yes, absolutely. Now, this is a good opportunity to turn to food and to the foods of Montalcino, of Tuscany, and how they pair well with your wines. And let's start with the new oil. How do you enjoy the new oil and what are the wines that you like to drink with that fragrant, peppery, new extra virgin olive oil? When we taste olive oil, uh, in Tuscany we do the so-called bruschetta. So we toast some Tuscan bread that I remember is uh, without any salt added. That is actually just toasted. You pour and you spread some olive oil directly on the slice of bread. It's the best way to enjoy it because you enjoy all the peppery and all the new flavors of new oil. And in my family, we do it actually uh, quite uh, every day. About wine pairing uh, and food pairing with wine, obviously the Tuscan cuisine is a poor cuisine that is actually linked to the life of farmers. So we usually produce pasta, fresh pasta that's called pinci in Montalcino just uh, water and wet floor and uh, usually it's paired with uh, some slow cooked ragu uh, that can be from any kind of meat usually also wild boar the area of Montalcino is full of wild boar that are hunted now it's the hunt season here and uh, also with the rosso and with the brunello as well but also long cooked meat is as well for example the wild boar stews or rabbit so it's like wild meat hunted 
Okay, and those are foods that, of course, go well with either Rosso or Brunello. Yes, yes. Both of them are, are nice and enjoyable. And obviously, long-cooked meat, probably better with Brunello. That's the best pairing ever. And what you mentioned, the bruschetta, it, you've made that sound so simple and so delicious. And I would agree, it is one of the best foods in the world when you have the really excellent Tuscan bread, as you mentioned as well no salt in it, which is kind of difficult for us when we taste that for the first time on its own. But with that peppery olive oil, it's just so good. Yeah, it's, you know, it's balanced also because uh, also very typical of the Tuscany area is uh, cured meat, so prosciutto or salami, and they are very rich in salt. So it would be hard to pair with salted bread as well, no? So there is a reason why the Tuscan bread is without any salt added in it. Yes, yes. And of course, you also have some wonderful pecorino cheeses. And I imagine that the aged pecorino is really good with your wines as well. That's really true. And also we produce, a that's quite uncommon for Tuscany, but we produce also an orange wine from Chardonnay and Trebbiano, and we enjoy it a lot with the cheeses. And as well, we produce Moscadello of Montalcino, that is a a wine coming from Muscat grape, that is a, a bit sweeter, a bit sweet wine that pairs greatly with cheeses. Oh, okay. I didn't know you produced those wines. The orange wine sounds fascinating. And also the Moscadello di Montalcino, that's an interesting wine historically because that wine was actually produced long before Brunello di Montalcino, wasn't it? Yeah, actually, we have also a poem uh, belonging to the 16th century by Francesco Redi, in which is mentioned the Moscadello of Montalcino. So Moscadello is actually the very first wine ever produced in Montalcino. And also for us, it's a new production, actually. It's, I think, the second or third year that we produce Moscadello. Is it a pasito? Somehow, actually, but a lot less sweet. It's more dry because we didn't want to have a dessert wine itself. We wanted a wine that could be paired with cheeses as well. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I look forward to trying that. Now, Raquel, tell us a little bit about, say, our listeners would like to visit Montalcino and visit Tietzi. Can they come and visit you and what do you offer for wine hospitality? Yes, obviously we, we like to welcome people and when people pass over, because for us it's the best way in order to present people uh, Montalcino and our winemaking uh, uh, philosophy. We travel a lot, but it's also it's better when people come and to see directly what we do, actually. Uh, we do wine tastings and wine tour, so we can uh, taste our wines and we have a tour of the cellar, of the um, vineyards as well. And also we have two houses that we rent for people that want to come and have the experience of living uh, in a Tuscany farmhouse or a Tuscan winery. Uh, one is located exactly in the middle of our winery. There is no Wi-Fi, so it's like, you know, a place where you can disconnect from everything and just enjoy the Tuscan countryside. And uh, we have another house that actually is placed just above our cellar. You will be actually inside the winery and you will enjoy the rhythm of our winery. We are a family business, so we are always around and we can stay together and have also a good time. Well, that sounds a wonderful way to experience Montalcino, to actually stay within the winery 
to almost wake up to the aromas of wine coming from those big botti grandi that uh, where the Brunello is aging and to be able to then toast the bread and put the olive oil and drink the wine. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what we want to. <laughs> well, Raquel, thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing with us the story of the Tietzi family estate and of how it grew from the 1980s and with what you're doing and offering today. It sounds just a magical place. And I would really love to visit, as I'm sure our listeners will. So I hope that they will find their way to you, and I hope I will too. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you to you for having me, Mark. And uh, I hope to see you soon, and also your listeners to come to Montalcino. Thank you. Grazie. Buona giornata. Thank you too. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.